We're coming on, into times right now that we've never seen. How many would be in agreement with that? In our lifetime, uh, as a nation, we've never seen the things that we're seeing take place in the world. There's a lot of unrest going on. There's a lot of craziness going on. There's a lot of wickedness going on. There's a lot of perversion going on. There's a lot of uh, violence going on and, and, and so on and so on. And so we're living in what the Bible calls perilous times. And uh, we, we're seeing the, the, the words of prophecy just jumping off the pages. And we can really see that God's word is true and amazing. Amen. How many have just been amazed to begin to study the word and see all the things that were spoken thousands of years ago that are coming to pass today? And it just gives validity to the power of the word of God. Amen. I want to talk about how important of the time we are now as in three weeks from Tuesday, we will be having an election. Amen. Now, right before I begin to speak, I will not be speaking politics, uh, that we don't do that in church. I will not be talking about uh, who I would vote for or anything like that. But I am going to give you a message this morning about the importance of this election, how vital it is to our nation. If you are in this nation and you care about where you live, you need to pay attention. If you don't care, don't worry about it. Just start thinking about the Cowboys this afternoon. But if you care about the nation you live in and if you love God, you will want to pay attention. As we're getting close to this election, I want to tell you some things you might not know. You know, how many, first of all, let me ask you this. How many have ever wondered why we're so blessed as a nation? Anybody ever wondered that? Two or three people? Okay. Maybe you don't know we're blessed. I've always said if you don't know we're blessed, just leave. And, and, and then you'll wonder why so many people want to come in. Amen. Richard's here this morning. Missionary travels all around the world. People want to come here for a reason, right? It's a blessed nation, and a lot of times we don't know what we have until we leave. And uh, we are a blessed nation. But let me tell you some things. Did you know as you walk up to the steps to the building which houses the U.S. Supreme Court, you can see near the top of the building in a row of the world's law givers, each one is facing the middle. And in the middle, as they have a full frontal view on the Supreme Court, all these world leaders are looking to the middle, and in the middle is Moses holding the Ten Commandments on the Supreme Court building. Did you know, as you enter the Supreme Court courtroom, two huge oak doors have the Ten Commandments engraved on each lower portion of each door? Did you know as you sit inside the courtroom, you can see the wall right above where the Supreme Court judge sits and there are a display of the Ten Commandments? Did you know that there are Bible verses etched all over in stone, all over the world, sorry, the uh, federal buildings and monuments in Washington, D.C.? Bible verses etched all over the buildings. Did you know James Madison the fourth president, known as the father of our Constitution, made the following statement. We have staked the whole of our political institutions upon the capacity of mankind for self-government, upon the capacity of each of us to govern ourselves, to control ourselves, to sustain ourselves according to the Ten Commandments of God some crazy stuff, huh? Did you know Patrick Henry, the patriot and founding father of our country, said these words, 
listen carefully. It cannot, and this is kind of giving you a reason if you did not know why we're blessed. I'm giving you the reason why we've been blessed. He says, Patrick Henry, the patriot and founding father, it cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians. Not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our founding fathers said those words. Sounds a little different today, doesn't it? Did you know that every session of Congress begins with a prayer by a paid preacher whose salary has been paid by taxpayers since 1777? Did you know 52 of the first 55 founding fathers of the Constitution were God-fearing, church-attending men of God? 52 of 55. Did you know that Thomas Jefferson, listen, worried that the courts would overstep. Now, I really want you to begin to pay attention as I lead into this this morning. Did you know Thomas Jefferson said that was worried that the courts would overstep their authority and instead of interpreting the law, would begin making law? The rule of few over many. Did you know the very first Supreme Court John Just, Justice John Jay said Americans should select and prefer Christians as their rulers. Father, for the next few minutes, anoint our ears to hear, our hearts to understand. Father, help us focus. Don't allow any spirits of demonic activity to cloud our minds, to confuse us, to cause us to be uh, anywhere else than right here where you have us, Father. And this very important day and this very important message is you speak to the hearts of God-fearing people that are here today that want to know your will and want to know your purpose and want to know what your plan is for our future, God, and who we are this morning in Christ Jesus. Lord, we give you the glory and the honor and the praise. And everybody said... Amen. As you go to the book of Psalms, I want to read out of the Psalms this morning a couple different places. I'd really ask that everybody would look. If you don't have a Bible, if you'd look on with somebody, it would be great. And I want to tell you what God says in his word this morning. I'm going to be using nothing but the word of God. And as I talk about how important these upcoming elections are and, 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 and the state of our union. You know, the president gives a state of the union and I want to give a spiritual state of the union this morning. We're in trouble. Our nation's in trouble, and we need God. If God doesn't intervene, we're in trouble, church, and we have to be the people of God this morning that stand up and help him intervene because he intervenes through the prayers of his people. One of my favorite verses, one of the most powerful verses in the Bible, one of the verses I pray the most is 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and will repent of their sins and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear their prayers. I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land, the Bible says. Amen. That's a promise from the word of God this morning. Amen. How many believe God can still heal our land? But we've got to be a church that rises up and stands up and has a voice this morning. And on that note, two, I said three weeks, right? Next, uh, next two weeks from today, tomorrow, we're going to have... Uh, a prayer meeting and then the following week right before the election we're going to have a day of fasting I'll be announcing those more so we can pray for our nation as 2nd Chronicles 7 Psalms 33 
if you look there. I was going to read one verse this morning, and then I began to read and thought, wow, there's some more here I really need to talk about in Psalms 33. But look at the first verse, verse 12. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. So why are we blessed? Because when we started this thing, that God was the God of our nation. And it wasn't just a God, it was the God. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of the Ten Commandments. The God of Moses, amen? And if you don't believe that, again, just take a trip real quick on Google Pictures over to Washington, D.C., and you'll see whose God is the Lord of our nation. And we have to keep it that way. So it says, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance, verse 13, the Lord looks from heaven, he sees all the sons of men. From the place of his dwelling, he, he looks on all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their hearts individually. He considers all their works. Watch this. No king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who, say this with me, fear him. On those whose hope is in his mercy. I want you to stop for a second and say that with me. Lord, we fear you this morning. And our hope is in your mercy. Let me know that's important this morning. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. That's what mercy is, not getting what we deserve. Grace is we've been given something we don't deserve. Mercy is God saying, I'm not going to give you what you deserve. And listen, church, the state that our nation's in right now, we deserve mad justice. We deserve wrath. We deserve judgment. And, and, and many would say, hey, I'm, I'm not a president, I'm not a congressman, I'm not of this, and I'm not of that. And that's exactly why I want to talk about how important this election is. Because no, you're not any of those things. But I want to make a statement right here, right now, to everybody. We have got to have a voice. We have got to stand up and stop listening and saying, oh, I hope somebody does something and be the people who do something. We've got to stand up and do something. And each one of us individually has a voice this morning. So he goes on to say, what verse was I in? End of 18. To deliver, verse 19, their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our heart shall rejoice in him because we've trusted in his holy name. And once again, let your mercy, O Lord, be upon us just as we hope in you. Amen. I want you to write two things down this morning. It's going to be simple. Two things that are not just important, but they are the heart of God. Two things. The sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage. I want you to write those two things down. If you were to ask, what is the most important thing to God? These two things are. And you'll see it from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I want to talk this morning about these two important things because these two important things, and just, I kind of like to teach in a way or preach in a way that people can, can be on board. That's why a lot of times I have stuff up on the, on, the, on the screen or have something that they can focus on. 
But so you'll understand and not get lost in anything else. I'm talking this morning about the importance of this election because in this election, whoever wins the election, and we know that that's two parties, and just on that note, there, there are independents and there are other parties. There's no other parties going to win this election but the two main parties. Okay, so the third vote is going to be a wasted vote, so it means nothing. But out of those two parties, listen closely. Whoever wins this election wins, in my opinion, the most important time in our history since the beginning, wins the Supreme Court. In this election, this four years that comes, there will be four newly appointed Supreme Court justices. When Supreme Court justices are, 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 are uh, elected, they're elected for life. They, the average age of a person that retires is around 79 years old. We have four that are over 80. Four will be replaced in this next election. So the swivel of balance, of not only power, but of righteousness is very, 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 very in jeopardy. And what I'm going to teach you this morning and educate you on this morning is that you are going to take responsibility and leave this place and go study out which party is God has God's heart, not which person has God's heart, not which person is a good candidate because there's not one, and, 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 and not which one I should vote for, but which platform it's called or which party is going to help the Supreme Court save and keep the sanctity of life and the sanctity of marriage. How many are with me right now? Those two things right there are what matter to God. Listen, money and finances and all kinds of other things that are, that are talked about are not important to God. His life, his life he gives and his, his, the sanctity of his union are what matters to God. And you'll see that in the scriptures, amen? So I need you to pay attention to that. And that's why this is such an important message because we really, really need to watch something. How many know, uh, I've ever heard of a smoke screen? I'm, I, I feel so strong in my spirit this morning and I've been feeling it for weeks that this election is a smoke screen. It's a smoke screen. A smoke screen, if you don't know what a smoke screen is, it's something that gets your attention over here so something else can take place over here. They use it in military. They'll throw a smoke screen so that they can blind the enemy so the enemy doesn't know where they're coming from. And listen, the devil is using these people and using this election to put a smoke screen up for all kinds of demonic things that the devil is trying to do in our nation behind that smoke screen. And we have to understand as God-fearing people, we have to do what God's word says. Listen, you before, listen closely before you give an applause, you can give it then. You, before you are a citizen to the United States, States or a citizen to Africa or Nigeria or Tanzania or Kenya or Costa Rica or Mexico or Spain or any other country. You are a citizen of Jesus Christ and his word. So you have to base your life off of the word of God. In this nation, we individually are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And what matters to God matters to me. And that's how we vote. And my challenge to you this morning, first and foremost, is that you would vote. And that you don't stand back and say what 54 million Christians did last election. Didn't vote. Ted Cruz said, 
54, I don't know where we got the numbers, but I believe it, 54 million Christians did not vote. That's a lot of people. And I don't know if this morning I probably won't go in. I can give you verses and different things about how we're supposed to respect authority and the government and all these different things and that it's a responsibility to vote. But I don't want to go on that as much as the fact that I'm asking you as your spiritual leader and as your pastor to trust me on the importance of how important it is to vote, how important it is to make our voice known and that we would do our part. And then once we've done our part, then God is in control after I've done my part. But I don't stand back and say, oh, I wish I would have done something. Because that's what's been happening for too long. And can I make a statement on that before I move on? Let me tell you what's happened over the last 50 years with Christians sitting back doing nothing and saying, oh, God, I'm already a Christian. I'm, I'm, a, you know, I'm in heaven. I'm, I'm, I'm a saint. I don't have to worry about these things that go on here in the earth. Well, that started about 1960s. And in 1963, they voted, underline that, voted to take prayer to schools. They voted. People went and said, I don't want prayer in schools. And guess who didn't vote? People who said they want prayer in schools. Christians stayed silent. Christians said, shh. And prayer was removed from schools. And in the last 50 and 60 years, hell has broken loose in this nation because God has been taken out of school. And people voted to take God out. Listen, people can go in individually and say, well, I'm going to take God in with me. And that's true. But you have a vote. So the laws will allow you to be more voice. We could be a lot more boisterous in school today if Christians would have rised up and said, no, I'm not going to allow prayer to be taken out of school. I'm going to vote. But no, people voted against it and let it happen. And the second thing, 10 years later, something called Roe versus Wade happened. And this is the first point this morning. Actually, I'm going to go into that in a second. I'm going to start with the other one. But the other one is 1973, Roe versus Wade. They said you have, a, you have a right to choose if you want to take a baby's life. And that was passed by a vote. And once again, Christians stood silent. So church, we have to understand if we keep doing that, we're in big trouble. Can I give you just two more things to, to give you an understanding of how important it is in our nation that we have a voice? George Washington said this, it is impossible to rightly govern a nation without God and the Bible. George Washington. Abraham Lincoln, a righteous president who, listen, abolished slavery. It said that, we, that before the elections that people would fast and pray. Can you imagine a president now getting up and asking the nation to fast and pray for an election? Abraham Lincoln said, fast and pray for this election so that God's will will be done. Now, I want you to start with me in Romans chapter 1. I'm going to give me just a few more minutes here. Romans chapter 1. I really want to show you why these two things are important to God. Romans chapter 1. And, and, and take this and take it for what it is and write it down and make a note of it. Two things. What's the two things God cares about? Sanctity of life, sanctity of marriage. Okay, those are the two things. And listen, that goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And I'm going to show you that this morning, all the way back to Genesis. But we're going to look in Romans first. And I want to tell you why it's so important to God that we sanctify. And we're going to start with the second one I said. I could have actually flipped it around. We're going to talk about the sanctity of marriage. Why this is so important to God. Outside of the common sense that it's important to God. Because to me, it, 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 it's, it's not even um, something that should have to be wondered about, but it is. And the reason is, is what's called perversion. 
Perversion has been allowed to come in. Perversion has been around since the beginning. But it's always had a, had a head that wants to stick up. And believers have to stand and say, no, I'm not going to do what I feel I want to do. I'm not going to live the way I want to live. I'm going to live how God says I should live. Amen? That's the difference. So I want you to look at this here. Romans chapter 1. Give me an amen if you're there. And right before I read this, let me make this clear. Just elementary teaching again. What is the sanctity of marriage? Sanctity is meaning, means sacred. Means not to be messed with. Not to be touched. Not to be changed. So whatever God intended in the beginning should stay the same. And it doesn't change because someone comes along and says, well, I don't think that's relevant anymore. Let me read this to you real quick. A judge called Judge Posner, a judge of the Seventh Circuit of the Court of Appeals, says he sees absolutely no value in studying the Constitution. He's a judge. Because 18th century guys, this is his quote, 18th century guys, however smart they were, could not foresee the culture, technology, etc. of the 21st century. So I suspect if they had seen modern culture, with our fixation on Kim Kardashian, they might have retreated to England. Some of y'all didn't catch that. It's important that we understand. He says, he says, no, the Bible, the Bible's not relevant. The Constitution's not relevant because things change. Culture changes. People change. You know, God's old. You know, his, his rules are old. His laws are old. His plan is old. I don't find that in the Word. The Bible tells me heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Amen? I'm the same yesterday, I'm the same today, and I'll be the same in 10,000 of 10,000 years. The Bible says there's no change in God, there's no variance in, it, in Him. He's the same. He does not change. So he says, even the Bill of Rights, this judge says, don't speak to us today, the Bill of Rights. You know what the Bill of Rights are? Freedom of speech. Me being able to stand up here and talk about Jesus is freedom of speech. Freedom of assembly, meaning we're able to assemble together. Richard, you've been to some countries where they have to assemble privately, where they're not allowed to come into a public place, where you have to do it underground. And by the way, on that note, for anybody that thinks we're losing some kind of battle this morning, let me tell you, the church of Jesus Christ is alive. Amen? It's alive underground. It's alive above ground. It's alive all over the world. Don't look at CNN and Fox to find out how the church is doing. Know that the Bible says heaven and the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. He'll build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. His church is alive. We're alive this morning, and there's a church just like this all over the world. Some of them are meeting underground. Some of them are meeting in houses. But there's a church of Jesus Christ this morning. Amen. But they don't have the right to assemble, which we have. The right to the press. The right to religion. And all these concepts. He says, That's, that doesn't speak to today. So he says, I see absolutely no value in spending decades or years or months or weeks or days or hours or minutes studying the Constitution. It's not relevant, he said. So that's the thinking of some of our leaders today. Getting back to Romans 1, what is the sanctity of marriage? God said in the beginning, and I'll get to that in a second, that marriage is between one person and another person, and he said one person's a male and the other person's a female. It's not three people. It's not five people. 
it's two people, it's a man and a woman, period. And just for anybody that thinks I'm going to pick on homosexuality, no, I'm going to pick on anything that's not in the sanctity of a man and a woman married. If people are living together and fornicating, they're sinning just like people who are living together that are same sex. Sin is sin. Fornication is fornication. Adultery is adultery. So adultery is somebody that's, that's having a, a, an affair, having have relations outside of their marriage, outside of a man and a woman that's married together in that union. Fornication is two people who are not married, having relations together that are not under the sanctity of the union of marriage. And then when we talk about the sanctity of marriage today that's being attacked, and now the same-sex marriage is being pushed hard in our nation, and we know that last year it was voted again that it would be legal. Legal. So you say, hey, I didn't have anything to do with that vote. Did anybody have anything to do with that vote? No, we weren't there. It was Supreme Court. Well, who put the Supreme Court in? A party. Who put the party in? People. Did y'all catch that? Let me back up just in case you missed that. Supreme Court last year, 2015, legalized same-sex marriage. Legalized it. Supreme Court was appointed by a president. President was appointed by a party. The party was appointed by you and me. So as you go down the line of responsibility, where are we at? At the beginning. That's why we have to vote. Y'all with me? So does that definition make, make sense? And, I'll, and, and don't worry, I got all your answer, questions answered. Don't worry. I already got them. Just asking you if you understand that, what the sanctity of marriage is. Man and a woman united by God together. Okay? So look at what Romans 1 says. Because a lot of people say, oh, that's Old Testament. Oh, no, they don't talk about that. Let's just look at Romans 1, verse 22. Give me an amen if you're there. Professing to be wise. Oh, there's a lot of people professing to be wise today. They became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, God also gave them up to the uncleanness in the lust of their hearts, watch this carefully, to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for a lie. What's the lie? And worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So before we read on, God is seeing that, okay, you want to do that? Go ahead and do what you want to do. You do what you want to do. I gave you free will. Do what you want to do. You're going to do it anyways. Everybody, anytime you ever wonder why things happen, just let the word free will run in front of you. God did not make us robots. And some of us wish he would have. Sometimes I wish he would have, but he didn't. And you ask the question, how, what, you know, what's the deal? Why, why do these things happen? Because God lets us be us. He says, I, I give you life and I let you choose what you want to do. Deuteronomy makes it real clear. He says, I put before you today life and death. Choose life. So we choose. And, and at the end of the day, church, every single one of us individually is going to have to answer to God for everything we do or don't do. So this is a corporate meeting, but this becomes personal. And that's why as a leader, I have to be so adamant about teaching you what God's word says and why we've got to wake up 
smell the coffee and understand the situation we're in right now that we have to have a voice amen we have to make a decision and we have to understand what is God's word say and look at this what it says as I go on for this reason God gave them up to vile look at that word vile passions watch this for even their say it with me say that word Y'all reading the Bible? For even their, I can't hear you. Women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. Likewise, also the men leaving the natural use of the woman burned in their lust for one another. Watch this. Oh, the Bible doesn't say anything about homosexuality in the New Testament. It's not there. It's because people don't read their Bibles. Men with men committing what is okay to God. Shameful. Receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. There is not a clear verse in the Bible. He says they gave them up to their vile passions. Men and women doing things with each other that they're only supposed to do with the opposite sex in marriage. Okay? Now, I want to make a statement real, real quick here while we're on this. And I'll say the same thing with abortion. We thank God this morning that we have the gospel of Jesus Christ which is the good news. And the good news is that he who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And the good news is that I was an old creation, but now I'm a new creation. And if I'm in Christ, all old things are passed away. So if I was a person who was living in a homosexual lifestyle, or I was a person who was living in fornication, or I was a person who was living in adultery, I can call on Jesus and say, Lord, forgive me for my sins. And Jesus will forgive me for those sins. And I can be set free from that. And I can start a new life. And I can begin to live how God wants me to live for the rest of my life. And my sins are thrown as far as the east is from the west into the sea of forgetfulness and in this place right here and in many of churches around the world there are people who have left that lifestyle and gotten saved and given their life to Jesus and turned from that and said I'm not going to do what my passions want me to do anymore I'm going to do what God's word says can you say amen so I got to interject that I'm not here telling people oh we, they hate people no we love everybody but we're going to tell them the truth we're telling what God's word says. And the word, the Bible says, will set you free. The truth will set you free. Amen? So, okay, Paul talked about that. Paul, was, Paul wasn't even married, man. Don't give me that. He wasn't even married. He don't understand. Jesus never talked about that. That's what I hear all the time. Jesus never talked about that. Let me go to Matthew chapter 19 talking about the sanctity of marriage and how important this is to who? God. We need to not care what people think or what people want. We need to care what God wants. 
Paul said as they were preaching Jesus, they said, stop preaching Jesus. He said, do I have to listen to what you say or what God says? Do I have to fear you or fear God? Listen, I fear God. I fear God this morning, not man. Amen? Uh, yeah, people, yeah, man can do something to me. But the Bible even says, don't fear man who can just take your life. Fear God who can take your life and send your soul to hell. Amen. But thank God for Jesus and his mercy and his grace that we can be saved this morning. Amen. And we can be changed this morning. We can be turned back to the truth. So Jesus, Matthew 19, give me an amen if you're there. Now it came to pass. Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond the Jordan and great multitudes followed him and he healed them there and the Pharisees came to him testing him and saying to him is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason and he answered watch how Jesus answers this question this is a question about divorce but watch how Jesus answers it he answered and said, you know, he could have just said yes or no. Right? That's a good answer. Yes. No. He could have just said that, but he did not do that. And he did not do that on purpose. Instead of doing that, he says, I'm going to establish again for you right now. And the church in Denton, Texas in 2016 that's facing a lot of calamity in society, I'm going to write it down so they can read it 2,000 years from now. And they'll know what my definition as Jesus Christ is of marriage. Let me just clarify it to you Pharisees and to everybody that's coming behind what marriage is to me since you asked. He says, have you not read that he who made them he being God them being male and female and at the beginning made them and would you just read that with me real quick I just want to make sure we're all reading the same Bible that he made them male and female and said for this reason this is coming out of Genesis chapter 2 he's quoting a what come on read it with me a man shall leave his father and not father and father not mother and mother a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wives or women and the two shall become one flesh I'm going to see that there he could have just said yes no he said no let me reestablish what marriage is to me since you're asking so when you hear people say, whoa, Jesus never said anything. He didn't say that blah, blah, blah. He didn't say don't smoke either. He didn't say a lot of things. He didn't, he didn't say flush the toilet when you get done going to the bathroom either. Right? He didn't, he didn't tell us a lot of things to do. But he established right here what marriage is. It's between a man and a woman. And that has never changed. But people try to say Jesus never said anything about it. Watch. Let's read on a little bit more. There's a few more verses. So then... They are no longer two but one flesh, but therefore what God has put together. Courts of law can do something. Courts of law can make something legal. God ain't in it. You hearing me? Court of law can make something legal, but God's not in it. It says what God has put together. Let no man separate. Then they said, read on. 
Why then did Moses command to give his certificate of divorce and have her put away? And he said, Moses, because of the hardness of your hearts, permitted you to divorce your wives. He says again, wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. And I say to you, watch this. I say to you, except, sorry, whoever divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another, commits adultery. And whoever marries her is who is divorced commits adultery. So God makes a very clear statement here that this is between a man and a woman. Amen. Are we clear on that? And, and, and this is a personal thing where you have to say, okay, I got this. I'm, I'm going to stand for what God's word says. Not what anybody else says. Amen. Number two, the sanctity of life. And as we get to number two and begin to close with this, please remember again, I'll make it clear again, we love everybody. Everybody. We've had people over, lots of people over the years come in, living in homosexual lifestyles, living together, doing all kinds of perverted things, coming in, they find Jesus, Jesus begins to change them, Jesus begins to heal them, Jesus begins to deliver them, they get their lives right with God, we never tell them you're not welcome here, you can't be here, they're not allowed to come here, we love them as they are, just as Jesus does, but we tell them what the Bible says. That's our job. Don't let people lie to you and say, oh, that hateful church or those people hate. No, we don't. Neither does God. He hates the sin. We're supposed to love the sinner and hate the sin. And, and again, to make it clear, church, don't, don't allow uh, a society to tell you that one thing's worse than the other because, listen, let me just make a clear statement. It is a, a greater perversion. When it's, when it's the same sex. It is greater perversion. That's obvious. That's common sense. But a fornicator and an adulterer and a homosexual without Jesus and without repentance are going to the same place. Understand that. God is a righteous, holy God. And that will never change. No matter what society does, God is a righteous, holy God. How many know that? How many believe that? That does not change. No matter how much society changes, it doesn't change. Truth does not change. Sanctity of life, abortion. Why is this so important to God? When Cain killed Abel in Genesis chapter 4, it was the first murder ever, God said to Cain, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. Did y'all catch that? Cain committed the first murder in the Bible, killing his brother Abel. And God said to Cain, Cain, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. In Genesis chapter 2. Sorry, chapter 4. Do you know this morning that in the world... In the past 40 years, I said 73, 83, 93, 03, 33 years, 43 years since abortion was made legal. By a what? By a what? A vote. God didn't make it legal, but we did. We made it legal. And since we made it legal, it's okay. God didn't make it legal. Since 1973, this will blow you away. This will absolutely blow you away. 1.7 billion 
babies have been aborted. 1.7 billion babies worldwide. So God says to Cain, the blood of your brother cries out to me from the ground. And 1.7 billion babies have never even had a chance to be born. How much do you think God hears the cry of those babies? What's important to God? And it's okay that it's real quiet in here right now. I knew this message was going to be this way, but these are the kind of messages that are healthy to a church. Where we stop and we begin to think, my God, this is serious business. Now let me make another statement, just like I did on homosexuality. If you've ever had an abortion in here, it's under the blood and it's forgiven. So don't allow the next few minutes to just be a, a cloud of confusion because you've made that mistake and you've had an abortion and, you've, and you did that. Whether it was in Christ or before Christ, it's gone. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. But Jesus said, go and sin no more. Okay? So I'm not speaking this to make you feel bad if you've done that. It's under the blood. It's forgiven. But we must understand what we are allowing to happen in our nation if we don't stand up and have a voice. 1.7 billion babies. Now listen, Isaiah chapter 13. Don't go there for time. Just write this down. I want you to listen to this verse. Isaiah 13 verse 11 says, I will punish the world for their evil. How many sometimes sit back and think, my God, how long is this going to go on? How long? Why doesn't God do something? Why does God keep allowing these things to happen? Listen, I raise both hands and both feet to that a lot of times. Why is it that God just sits back and allows this evil world to get more and more evil? Listen, he does. But the Bible says there's coming a time when he is going to judge the world. He is going to repay, the Bible says, punish the world for their evil. Y'all listening to this? Isaiah is a prophetic book. And it says, uh, I'm, I'm going to punish the world for their evil and the wicked for their iniquity. I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. God's a just God. Listen, church, stop caring what people think and start caring what God thinks because you want to be on God's side of the situation. You want to be on God's side of the fight. The Bible says it's a terrible thing to fall into the hands of a living God. It's serious business. And we've got to sober up our minds and say, God, if this is so serious to you, and it's serious to me and I don't care what my family says or my church says or my house says or my school says or my job says or the world says I'm going to stand with you because if I stand with you I'm a friend of you but if I stand against you I'm an enemy of you and I don't want to be an enemy of God how many want to be friends of God this morning he's a big God in the USA half sorry over half of pregnancies out of every 10 pregnancies over half are unwanted how many remember just a couple weeks ago and I'm just going to throw this in as I'm closing this morning when I preached about the, 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 the spirits of Baal and I preached at the conference as well I want to throw this out real quick for anybody who is not here it's going to take two minutes how important it is Baal 
means Lord. Okay? Baal means Lord. And, and all throughout the Bible, people would turn from God to Baal. And that could be what it didn't, it, there was all kinds of different gods. All it meant was they would turn their lordship from God to another. And inside of the temple of Baal, horrible, horrible acts. All, most of our kids are out of here, so this can be said again. If they're not, you can explain them to them later, but this is very important. Horrible, horrible acts were ha- happened in this temple. Horrible. And then sometimes it's funny because in church we're like, oh, don't say that or don't. Listen, they see it on TV all the time. They see that you're letting them watch the garbage on TV, but you won't let the pastor speak something to them about what's going on in the Bible? Come on, y'all, to be real. You don't watch them. You're letting them play them garbage games that kill everybody. But then we can't talk about what happened in the Bible. Listen, the Bible is way crazier than what's going on in the world, man. Listen, it's like Jerry Springer. I've said it before. There's a lot of crazy stuff in the Bible. God put it in there on purpose. But in this temple, they'd go into the temple of Baal, and they would burn their kids alive. Burn them at the, at, at the, at the fire. Burn them. Alive. Sacrifice them. Take, so again, baby, not, this, is, this is the precursor to what we're seeing in our nation today. Won't you see the correlation? Temple of Baal. They would burn the kids at the fire, listening to them scream. How can somebody do that? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I'm not going there. Listening to them scream, and as they screamed in agony, burning to death, they would commit sexual acts together, have orgies together, while the babies were screaming, to God. But God, I don't know. Y'all here? And then while they were having these acts and orgies and sexual acts, not just men with women, but all kinds, others would stand back and watch. Watch this. Babies burning, people having orgies. Watch it. And we sit here and go, oh my gosh, are you serious? What? But we live in a nation who has killed 50 million babies. They killed thousands. They had horrible sexual acts done while they were doing it. We've made it legal and a lifestyle. And they watched those things go on. And we have a billion dollar pornography industry in the United States where people watch those things all the time. Who's worse? Them or the United States of America? And we think, oh, God's just going to have mercy on us. Oh, God's not going to judge us. Oh, it's no big deal. I'll just sit back and let somebody else do this. I'm just going to pray. We have to stand up and be a voice. We have to destroy the spirit of the temple of Baal. We have to destroy it. Amen? In our prayers, in our words, and in our lives of how we live. Church, half the pregnancies in the U.S. are unwanted. Four out of ten pregnancies end in abortion. Now, I'm going to close with this. Listen carefully. I believe the Lord Lord led me to this article. I'm always praying that the Lord would help me find things that are relevant. And I want to make a statement before I read this. Everybody who comes to this church knows we do not tolerate racism. We don't tolerate racism. It's not even tolerable. And if you look around, you see why. Why we have all races and why we don't tolerate it. It's not biblical. It's not God. So we don't tolerate racism. But racism was abolished a long time ago. 
And we just, as a society, just keep letting it come back in and just keep letting the devil divide us by the color of our skin or where we're from and all these different things. But let me give you a verse, that, just a real simple verse in Acts chapter 17 that says this. Of one God, sorry, of one blood, God created all people. Of one blood, God created all people. There's all kinds of different shades of skin in here this morning, and I love it. All kinds. I've told people before, if this church was all this color, I'd be out. If it was all another color, I'd be out. I don't want to see just one color. I want to see all colors. Amen. Go pick up a, go, come on, somebody. I'm preaching better than you're saying amen. You go, you go grab a handful of sand from anywhere in the world. You're going to see all different colors of pebbles. Even if it's a black beach, white beach, brown beach, you're going to see all. Oh, God gave me that revelation a bunch of years ago. As I was laying on the beach, I picked up a handful of sand and started looking. He said, look, look at all the different colors, red, yellow, brown, white, black. All those are represented because God said, as the sand on the seashore, so will you be your inhabitants to Abraham. As the sand on the seashore, so shall you be your inhabitants. So God said, of one blood... I have created all people. So next time someone tries to divide you by color, by race, and all that, you just tell them what Acts 17 says. One blood, God created all people. Our colors of our skin are different, and where we're from is different, but the blood we bleed, bleed is the same, and the blood that Jesus said on the cross is the same for all people. Can you say amen? So we do not tolerate any kind of racism. So I found an article. Should Christians vote? By Alveda C. King, who is the daughter of the late civil rights activist Reverend A. D. King, not Martin Luther King, and the niece of Martin Luther King. I found this by her. Is everybody with me? She said, Should Christians vote? Here's what she said. This is the opening paragraph. Just before I gave my life to Jesus, and was born again in 1983. Not when she was born, when she was born again. I served two terms as a state legislator for Georgia's 28th House District. I was a Democrat. Years later, I served as a Republican presidential appointee. So she's been on both sides. Along the way, she says, I remember learning that God is greater than politics. And God's word will survive it all. Coming from a Christian family that was very active in the 20th century civil rights movement, we marched. Some died for the equality at the ballot box, the right to vote. So yes, she says, I honor the privilege and the responsibility of taking part in the electoral process. And then she goes on to quote the verse I just gave you. And I want to close with this. She says these she says, in 2008, I'm quoting her, amidst the skin color furor of the campaign trail, my radio co-host, Emmanuel Booz of cyberbroadcast.com was a surrogate speaker for the soon-to-be-elected President of the United States. Listen closely. Just before the election, my friend dreamed, had a dream, of a field covered with black garbage bags. And as he walked through the maze of bags, he heard a wailing cry from one of the bags. 
investigating, he revealed that the bags were filled with aborted babies. Emmanuel woke up crying, sweating, and praying. He knew he couldn't vote for his candidate because he had to raise his voice and vote for the lives of babies. You know what this all comes down to? I have to vote for who God would vote for, and it's not a person, it's a principle. It's a principle. Y'all listening to me this morning? It's a principle. The two things, and I'm going to finish with this, and you go to Psalms 139. The two things that matter to God are the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of life. You want to get caught up in all the other things? Go ahead. God's heart is the sanctity of marriage and the sanctity of life. That marriage would be protected as he intended it and that babies would not die before they're born. Somebody give me an amen so I can keep on going. Amen? You're not, I'm not, you're not agreeing or disagreeing with me. You're agreeing or disagreeing with the Bible. I'm teaching you the Bible. Now watch Psalm 139. I'm going to resist as you can come. And Kristen, is she here? Oh, Destiny, just come place. Whoever's coming, just, just, just little keyboards, all we need. Watch this. Y'all in Psalm 139? Verse 13. Right before we read this, there, there's different, there's different uh, places and times that they say that, that abortion is really murder. And, and, and it's all been all kinds of different phases along the pregnancy. This is, it's not murder before this. It's not murder before that. It is, it isn't. It, and, and all these different things. And then, then it got to per, partial, partial birth abortion where the baby would actually come out. The head would be out and they would kill it. Out of the womb. So it's been all kinds of different things. Let me tell you when life begins. And let me tell you when abortion begins. At conception. As soon as that baby is in the womb, it's concepted, it is a baby. And from that moment on, it is murder if you take that baby's life. Why? Because I said so? No, because David said so through the Holy Spirit in Psalms 139. Some of you have never heard this before. Many of you have, but read this with me. Psalm 139, verse 13. For you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb some people don't think God's an intimate God listen to these verses I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made marvelous are your works and that my soul that my soul knows very very well watch this stay with me my frame my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, meaning planned before birth ever happened. Your eyes, watch this. When is abortion? When is a baby born? Your eyes saw my substance being yet, somebody say that word with me, unformed. Meaning to God, when it's happening, it's a person before it even becomes a person. Jeremiah 1.5 says, I knew you before you were in my, your mother's womb. I formed you. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they're all written, the days fashioned for me. 
when as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. Father, this morning, as we read your word, it's everlasting. It's perfect. It's yes and amen. It's irrefutable. It's inspired. It's God-breathed. And your word says that it's a light unto my feet and a lamp unto my path. And that I should hide it in my heart so that I won't sin against it. God, I stand here before you today and I ask you, Lord, to help me care more about what you think than what this world thinks. To stand, God, regardless of the circumstances that I would face on your word. Not on my word or, word or the word of a man, but on your word, God. And as heads are bowed and eyes are closed in this place, this morning we go back to the beginning and we realize this nation that we live in is blessed because of founding fathers who etched verses on the buildings they went in to govern the cities with. They put the Ten Commandments in the Supreme Court. They put the Ten Commandments on the doors. They put the Ten Commandments everywhere so that people would say we're God-fearing people and we trust not in man, but we trust in the Word of the Lord. And God, we are living, we are living in times right now that are so important, God, for the future of this nation. And God, you've called me not to change the world, but you've called me to be a voice for myself, I'm a person, I, I, can, I can make a difference and, and don't allow me to think this morning because I'm just one person that I can't make a difference because I can and my vote counts and my, my thoughts count and my prayers count and my words count and Lord you love me and you love these people so much that words will never explain it or express it God Father, as we're closing this morning and, the, and your people are praying this morning, my prayer is that they would get in their spirit how important this election is and how important it is we pray, God, that you would guide us and that we would go out and weigh the differences and we would see who is standing for what I believe and what the Word of God says, period. It's not about what the government can give me. It's about what God wants in the government. And Father, we ask you this morning to take this word and bring fruit out of it. And as you're praying this morning, I have a couple prayers for you. Number one, you can be forgiven this morning for any acts you've committed. Sexual perversion, abortion, murder, anger, violence anything you've done his grace is sufficient for you this morning his love is greater than my words can even express to you and first john says that if i will confess my sins to jesus he is faithful and just to forgive me of them all and to cleanse me from unrighteousness Maybe you're here this morning and you're saying, God is speaking to me. 
I know he's speaking to me and he, and he wants me to change some things in my life. He wants me to change the way I'm thinking. He wants me to get more in line, not with what people are saying, but with what the word of God says. But some of you are standing right now under great condemnation. It's difficult for you to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit because you're feeling condemned. You're feeling like what you've done is so bad that God can't forgive you, that God can't redeem you. And, and if that's how you're feeling, I want to tell you something. That's a lie from the devil, not from God. Because God forgives and God heals. And all through the Gospels, Jesus would encounter people who had demonic spirits. He would encounter people who were living in sexual perversion. He would encounter people who were, had killed people. He would encounter people who were living with, with different men and women who had been married many times in all kinds of different situations. And the Bible says he healed them all. He forgave them all. He, he, he gave them a second chance. He told that woman adulterer who was is, who is not even with her husband. She was with another man after her fifth husband. And he said, you you can be forgiven he told the lady that was caught in the act of adultery as they tried to have her stone he says where are your condemners they he says they're not here he said neither do i condemn you go and sin no more so all god's asking you to do this morning is repent say god i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry for what i've done that's all you have to do and then once you're sorry and he forgives you, you say, God, I'm not going to do it again. I'm going to go and sin no more. I'm going to turn my eyes on Jesus. How many this morning as we're closing, the Holy Spirit of God is here and he's speaking. This is a moment we'll never get back. We'll never have this Sunday morning again. We'll never have this time again. That's why the Bible says today is the day of salvation. How many in this place would be honest with God and say, Pastor, I'm not saved today. I've never put my faith in Jesus Christ, but right now the Spirit of God is touching my heart and I want to be saved. Just put your hand up and put it right back down all over this place. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young man. God bless you, young lady. How many more? I want to give my life to Jesus right now. Listen, if you're still feeling condemned, that's devil. That's the devil. That's not God. You know why I know it's not God? Because Romans 8 says there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Don't be condemned. That's the devil saying, no, you're too bad. He wants you to stay there. He wants you to go to hell. He wants you to be with him. But Jesus says, no, the, Satan comes to still kill and destroy, but I've come to give life and life more abundantly. I'm going to wait just a few seconds more. How many more? Listen, I can't change your heart. I can't raise your hand. I can't put your faith in Jesus for you. God bless you. I see your hand. I, I see your hand. God bless you. I need Jesus. I don't want to walk out of this place this morning the way I came in. I want to know that I'm forgiven. The Bible says right now there's a cloud of witnesses gathering around and looking down and saying, yes, he and she's giving their life to Jesus. Yes, they're rejoicing in heaven. And, and, and at the same time, there's a battle. Demons are fighting and lying and telling you, no, you've done too wrong. And there's a battle going back and forth. Who will you let win? Let God win. You've, you've given the devil too much time. You, you've let him use your life too much. Now let God begin to do something in you. Let God begin to use your life. Let's stand to our feet this morning. And as you stand, I want to ask one more time. I'm not saved. I'm going to do this quickly. When I got saved, I ran to the altar. I didn't wait. I, wasn't, I, I didn't care what anybody else thought. I said, I'm, I'm going to hell. I need to be saved. I don't want to go there. 
I don't want to go there. If I was telling you right now that a train was coming at you at 150 miles an hour, get out the way. You have a choice. Listen or get hit. I'm telling you today, you have salvation in Jesus Christ. There is no other name given under heaven by which you can be saved but the name of Jesus. For those that raised your hand, if you just begin to step out and come down here right now, and as they do, I want to ask too, if you didn't raise your hand, but you need Jesus, just step out right now. Just come down and stand right here and give your life to Jesus right now. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Just, just come. Amen. Come on. How many more? How many more? quickly all over this place. I'm just going to wait for a few more seconds. Maybe you've backslidden. Maybe you've gone back to your old ways. You know Jesus, but you are not living the life that you need to be living right now. Come. Come and get right with God right now. Come and say, Lord, I'm tired of running. I'm running to your mercy. I'm running to your grace. I'm running to you, Lord, right now. Yes. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Tomorrow's not promised to any of us. That's why this is so serious. That's why it's so important. Listen, I love to laugh. I love to have fun. I love to joke. But I know when's the time to laugh and when's the time to be serious. It's fun. Life's fun. We can have fun. We're believers. We're, we're going to live forever with God. We, we have joy. Trust me. Just don't, look, don't, don't take it by my face. I just take preaching serious. I know souls are hanging in the balance. And I know the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes to give life and more abundantly. And the only way people can know that is through a person. God uses people. We can't sit back and say, oh, God's going to change this nation. No, God's going to use you and me to change this nation. Somebody's got to stand up. Nobody stood up in the 60s. Nobody stood up in the 70s. Are we going to let this happen again? Some people say, well, we know Jesus is coming back soon. You know, he might come back before this election. He might come back after the election. He might come back before next year. But you know what? I'm going to be able to say, I did my part. And I'm not going to be responsible. Because listen, even when we're gone, there's going to be a world here going on. And we need to pray that Jesus will be Lord of this nation. Because one day he's going to be Lord over the whole world. He's going he's gonna, to, we won't have to, we won't have to have an election anymore. See, there's, there's a statement that people make. Do I vote for the lesser evil? Listen, until Jesus Christ is Lord and president of the world, we're always going to vote for a lesser evil. Because we're not in perfection. So again, this isn't about two people. This is about the underlining things that God cares about. Life and marriage. And that's where it starts. That's where it all starts. God's touching your heart. Amen. He's a merciful God. You two beautiful daughters. Amen. So awesome to see you come down together. Let's say a prayer this morning. Salvation prayer from our hearts. Maybe you didn't come. Maybe you're afraid to come. I, I, I hope you didn't because you need not be ashamed of the Lord. But if you're back there and you didn't come and you're not saved, say this prayer with me and say it from your heart. Lord Jesus, I need you. I know I'm a sinner. I know I fall short of your glory. I'm never going to be good enough to be righteous or saved in your eyes because you're a holy God. But I do believe that Jesus Christ came down from heaven, born of a virgin, lived a perfect life, 
and then died a perfect death for me on the cross, shed his blood for me, for all my sins. And Jesus, I ask you right now to forgive me for all of my sins. Everything I've ever done, wash it clean in your precious blood. And Jesus, from this day forward, I'm going to live for you. I'm going to live the way you want me to live. I ask you right now to come into my heart as I confess you as Lord and Savior. I believe you rose from the dead, conquered death, hell, and the grave. And today, I'm saved. Not by my works, not by my goodness, but by your grace. Jesus, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus, tell the devil to get away from me. I'm not living for you anymore. Devil, leave me alone. I'm a child of the King. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's praise God this morning. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. I'm going to ask quickly if everybody would just step out of their seats and come down to the altars, make your way across. I want to pray together as a church. Everybody just come find a, find a place. I don't do this often, but I am going to ask you in a second. You know, I'll do it yet because I'm sweaty palms and all that. We're going to join hands. I don't do that a lot, but I want us to do it this morning. I want us to pray that everything that was just preached would go down to our hearts and that everybody would take that everything I just said is from the Lord's heart and, from, and not with any motives, not with anything impure. It's all God's heart. How many can see, honestly, that these two things matter to God? They matter so much. And, and, and we, we need to pray heavily over the next three weeks. We need to pray, we need to pray, we need to pray, and we need to ask God, God, how do I vote? What do I do? I'm allowed to talk about the election. I'm allowed to talk about, I just can't tell you who to vote for. That's what we're not allowed to do, and I'm not doing that. But you need to vote. You need to make a statement. You need to make a stand, but you pray. And you ask God, who am I supposed to vote for? What am I supposed to vote for? How can I keep, again, just in case you forgot, how can I keep from the Supreme Court swinging one way or the other in the, in the direction it's not supposed to go? Because you can imagine if they just, if they just made same-sex marriage legal last year with this Supreme Court, if it goes more liberal, you can only imagine what's next. You, you want me to tell you what's next? You won't believe it because people didn't believe this would ever happen. If we don't stop now, the next thing you'll see is it'll be okay to, to, to be married in incest. And if we don't stop now, then it'll be okay to be a pedophile. It'll be okay to have sex with kids. And, and don't think it too strange because the Bible actually mentions it. It'll be someday where you can marry your dog. Honest, it's called bestiality. It's in the Bible. If we don't stop it now, there's no turning back. And, and, and it's crazy. We shake our heads like, I can't believe it. But we've allowed it to get to this place. We have to be careful that the Supreme Court does not swing that way. Because let me tell you something. This assembling together can change. 
me preaching the gospel without being arrested can change. I'm telling you, it's serious stuff. It's really, really serious. It's, it, it's, it's unprecedented times. And, but we have a voice. And the Bible says one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. There's a lot of people here, so we can put a lot of, a lot of angels to flight right now. Amen. We can put a lot of, a lot of power into the air. And God moves his hand by the prayers of people. So join hands this morning. Father, we come before you as a church. And just grabbing hands in unity, Father, we just declare this morning that it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by your spirit. And Lord, we could even be honest this morning and say, God, we're afraid of how our nation is right now. We're afraid of the direction that we're going in, God. And we're we're fearful, Father, of what could come if we don't make a change and if we don't stand up, God. And, and Lord, we don't even know what's going to happen if we do stand up, but we're going to be responsible. Lord, people can do things that they said they weren't going to do. They can lie. That's what politicians do a lot. But we still do our part, and then we leave it in your hands for you to be God. Help us to be responsible, Father. Help us to take these words to heart. Help us to understand this morning that you are hearing the cry of the blood of those kids that are unborn, Father, that are killed. Lord, 3,000 babies every day in the United States are killed, God, before they ever have a chance to be born. And Lord, God, we have your heart this morning, and we repent for our nation, Father. God, we repent of our ways And Lord, we ask you to forgive us this morning. We stand in the gap as a church, as your word says in Isaiah and Ezekiel. Who will stand for me? Who will go? Who will stand in the gap and be a breach? God is a church this morning. Of all races and all sizes and all ages and all demographics, Father, we stand united this morning as a body. Lord, not divisive in anything, united in truth. And God, the truth is only one. There's only one truth, and it's you. You're the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus, we stand for you this morning, and we stand for what you believe, God, and we stand on this earth in Denton, Texas, in the United States of America, as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, as an example of what you would want, Father. You said in Matthew, God, give to Caesar what's Caesar's, and give to God what's God's, Father. And so we live in a nation, God, where we actually have an opportunity to vote. Many people around the world can't even vote. They're communist countries. They don't even have a chance. They don't even have a voice. God, we have a voice this morning. And it starts with our prayers. And Father, we ask you right now in Jesus' mighty name, the name that's above every name, to stir something in our hearts this morning and put a conviction in our heart that's so strong, God, that says, Lord, I will not fear what man can do to me, but I will fear the living God, and I will stand upon his word, and I will defend his word. And when I've done all to stand, I'll stand devil you are defeated this morning in the mighty name of Jesus you are defeated we declare Jesus your king and your lord we bind the spirits this morning as you're praying with me bind the spirits we bind the spirits stand against truth father we believe this morning that as bad as things look as bad as our nation is, as, 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 as bad as the situation is, you can change it. You can, God. 
You can turn people's hearts to you. Church, would you agree with me for that this morning, that God would turn men's hearts to him? Right now, that God would turn men's hearts to him. That they would just say, God, I'm sorry. I'm sick of living this way. I'm sick of running from you. Just right now, through our prayers, men and women all over the world could just begin to say, God, God, you are the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much, the Bible says. Who am I? What can I do? The Bible says one man is an army with God this morning. Be that army, be that man, be that woman that stands and says, God, I'm going to stand for what's right. In Jesus' name we pray. We're going to sing one worship song as we close this morning. You can let go or hold hands, whatever you want to do, but we're going to sing this song just to close. Just keep your eyes closed and worship the Lord. And thank Him this morning for who He is. Just think about the blood this morning of Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you, Lord. All the blood. 
defense we need him but he moves through people you're a voice and I'm a voice and we're a voice this morning amen people say no 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 no, no. just say what the word says yeah no, 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 no the word says but no the word says it's the final authority father take us out of here this morning full of the Holy Spirit full of power full of truth thank you for the time we've spent together as a church on this Sunday morning. God, I pray that you'd bring us back tonight at six for another word and another time of fellowship. God, another time of praise and worship. And God, ask you, give us rest this afternoon, Father. And I just pray that everyone who came to be saved would know they're saved this morning, God, and the spirit in them would bear witness. And Lord, that we would invite someone back tonight and we would just go out and be evangelists to this world. We love you and we ask you to count us worthy of your return this morning, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.